0: okay hi everybody um, i like you all um, so yeah as as shelley mentioned um brian asked a few of us just to share so not necessarily teaching or any of that um but just um talking about actually something we were discussing this morning so i, I thought i would give a brief um Update on EHS. As Shelly mentioned, uh, we have finished the eight weeks of EHS, which we actually stretched out to like 12 weeks because we took some time off. Um, one of the participants this morning, I won't name any names, asked if I would be handing out uh, emotionally healthy certif- certificates <laughs> <laughs> now that we finished the course. And um, After much suspense um, at the end, I I said I wouldn't be, because because so much of the course is really an introduction to some of these topics um, and uh, a call to continue to dive deeper over time going forward. So um, forgive me if this is all a little bit disjointed. I'm going to try to tie it all together. Um, the, the very last topic of EHS is called um, developing a rule of life. And so maybe you've heard of that. Um, it comes out of some of the monastic tradition, like the rule of St. Benedict. But the concept is pretty simple. It's how do we um, frame up... Um, you know, a set of spiritual practices and um, spiritual disciplines and like different parts of our life, whether it's how we work, how we rest and recreate, how we worship, um, how we do relationships, so that Christ and the love of Christ is central to it all and that the love of Christ is what's coming out of us, you know, empowers us to love others well. Um, um, so the text that we read this morning that kind of went along with that is from Acts chapter 2, and this is verse 42 through 47. This is probably very familiar to all of you. It says, and they This is a picture of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, um, as any had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, Uh, They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So it sounds pretty good. sounds idyllic even. Um, And what we do see here, and this illustrated our our session this morning, is that there's certain things that they did. They devoted themselves to, um, to the teaching and to fellowship together, to breaking bread, to taking care of one another, all these different things. Um, and and so like that was their practice. And then they were experiencing um, some benefits from that, um, such as, you know, there was awe, there was wonder, um, you know, people were being taken care of, they had favor with people, um, the Lord was adding to their number. Um, and in the course of discussion this morning the um, the thought was was brought up and is very valid is this can actually be a frustrating text uh, because what do we do when you have this picture perfect life of community and then our experience is something different than that and I shared that I've found myself, I have found at different times myself on this continuum from, you know, f- frustration with this seeming incongruity that can lead to just angst and wrestling and doubt and things like that, or on the other end of the spectrum, the same frustration just leading to apathy. You know, well, that's not how it is, so eh, I'll just move on, I'll just gloss over that. Um. But where I want to find myself, um, whether it's this or some of the other texts, you know, we also brought up, or I brought up, the, the Sermon on the Mount, which this is sort of a vision for community life of the people of God. Sermon on the Mount, you could say, is a vision of, um, you know, what it is to be a follower of Jesus in his kingdom. Um, and at times both of those can seem like the bar is just unrealistically high. And there's a lot more I could say about this, but I think just to wrap it up, where I where I want to land um, is, is just to see the Sermon on the Mount, this text, as actually a compelling vision, like something that, that Jesus is offering to his followers individually as they grow and as his community corporately. Um, I'm just going to read a short little paragraph from Dallas Willard, uh, this is from the Divine Conspiracy, which is really just a really thick book about the Sermon on, on the Mount, um, The aim of the sermon is to help people come to a hopeful come to hopeful and realistic terms with their lives here on earth by clarifying in concrete terms the nature of this kingdom into which they're now invited by Jesus call. And this is how he phrases it, repent for the for life in the kingdom of the heavens is now one of your options. It wasn't before. So far from being additional laws to crush us or show us that we can't make it on our own, for of course we can't, the separate parts and perspectives from this sermon on the sweet life of love and power, of truth and grace, that those who count on Jesus can even now lead in his kingdom. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus the anointed. His teachings, illustrate how those alive in the kingdom can live through the days and hours of their ordinary existence on their way to the full world of God. So my challenge for myself and call to you is to join me as as we um, find Jesus' Jesus's words and the teachings in the New Testament compelling a new way to be human. Thanks. Hello.
1: Take two. Hello. Um, hi. Uh, so when the text went out yesterday, uh, pretty quick, I knew Jonah was something that I, I wanted to talk about. There's always been something that always has hit me. Uh, basic gist is God's will will be done, and I can either choose to be stubborn about it or I can just get with the program. Um, so basically, uh, so just Jonah one. Um, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship and went to chart Tarshish. So not when, when um, God said, Jonah, I want you to do this. He's not only did he not just like go, mm, no, I'm just going to go about my normal routine. He said, no, I'm actively going to get up and go in the other direction. Uh, and it just kind of strikes me like, how, oft, how often do we actually listen when God acts, uh, asks us to do things? So the rest of uh, Jonah won, uh, he. Jonah goes to Tarshish. He goes away from what God has asked him to do and God sends the storm and the the rest of the crew, what's going on? Why are we doing this? Not only did Jonah not say you know what God, I'm sorry, I relent. Yeah, yeah just stop the storm. I'll I'll go to Nineveh. He goes no, throw me overboard. He doesn't like where he's probably gonna die. He'd rather Die than to do this thing that God is asking him to do. this is kind of my opinion of it, but you might someone else might take this interpretation as well um Book two of Jonah he gets swallowed by the big fish, and it takes being swallowed by a big fish to repent how does it like how sometimes do we feel like it's taking a whole lot for us to go, you're right god, I'm wrong i'm you yes. I'm. I'm going to go and do what you say. No. He, he. What does it take to get us to go that far? Um. In book three is one of my favorite lines of it. Uh. So he finally he repents and he goes to Nineveh, and instead of having uh, to think like I need to come up with this awesome sermon in order to get this this town, I always think of like L. A. Uh, to repent. He basically just says a, something along the lines of. In 40 days, unless you repent, God will smite you. And they go, and everyone gets it, and the entire town repents. How much easier did this huge town who was living in sin get what, what God was about? It was opposed to Jonah, who is a person of the kingdom of, of Israel who is fighting it the whole way. God's already worked a lot more with Jonah than this foreign city, uh, and then you know, the, and then in, f- uh, in four, um, is you know, you kind of find out the the reason why Jonah was so upset about Nineveh repenting is that because he just hated them, he just thought he thought they, you know, he he just loathed this city and this people and this culture, and it also kind of strikes home times like you know, I have to admit, there's sometimes. I'm, my heart is hard against, maybe to to some people, and I just can't see God working inside these people, like I, however you want, I'm sure we can all relate to some degree up there. Um, It's so my basic takeaway on this story of Jonah, I kind of, as I just kind of said, I, I can relate, maybe not to the full extent that Jonah has run uh, from things, but regardless, God's will is going to be done, and I can either choose to get on a boat to and go to Tarshish and uh, get tossed off into a raging sea and get swallowed by a fish, or I can go, yeah, okay, I'll do, you know, I'll 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 get on board here, uh, and then the other, I mean, or. The other things you could just kind of do the other thing. Where how often do you? We feel like, and myself included, um, you know what? God, I don't really feel like doing that tonight. I think I'm just going to watch Netflix, or or maybe I'll play some video games, or I'm going to read a book, or I just don't really feel like doing that tonight. I don't have the energy. I don't really want to do that. And eventually, the, th- the thing that scares me is you maybe you do that often enough, and God's jesus Jesus stops asking you to do things. he stops asking you to be his servant that that kind of that would scare me more I think more than the fish uh I mean all by an actual fish um so yeah, I'm looking through this, and that's kind of basically what I got mm-hmm. and why Jonah hits me. I just feel um oh well. So there's definitely been the times where I've wanted I've watched Netflix as opposed to going out and doing what I feel like God has wanted me to do. But when I look back over my life and I go, you know what, I know I wanted to watch Netflix that night, but I did go out and I did that thing that I knew that if I was in Jesus's shoes, that's what Jesus would have done. And I felt so much better about myself and about my life and so much more fulfilled by doing that. Um, so that's kind of how Jonah has affected me. So Lord Jesus, I just want to pray uh, for us. Your (laughs) will is going to get done. um, And whether we choose to be your willing instruments or not, that's, that's going to happen. And I just pray that even if it's not something that we want to do, that even if our hearts feel hard against that, um, that we still Go with soft hearts and and out of obedience and love love for you, um, choose to do your will.
2: So last week, I talked about Lazarus and the rich man and particularly focused on Lazarus and his helplessness socioeconomically culturally paralyzed beggar man outside the gates of the rich man who doesn't even have a name and i i suppose In sharing my own sense of helplessness, I, I wanted to have us access those spaces where we feel helpless and where we don't know the answer and to know the good news of that. That's actually a gospel thing. Um, and it's it's not really anything we can do about. It. It's nothing that we can necessarily control. And I think that's the whole point of that text. And um, so I, I thought, and and you know I don't know. I, this is just something I'm thinking about a lot. And it's it's not necessarily. I don't think that God doesn't give us agency because that's the whole point. We're created in God's image with the power to act and to steward and to love and to respond etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's not that's not obviously really where I was going with that but the the essence of that text in the sense of wow Lazarus was just a helpless dude and he's dining with Abraham. So I guess I wanted to come back to that, and it's it it stayed with me this week as I continue to uh, wrestle with my own sense of, of helplessness, um, and, I, and I, I guess I don't really want us to come back to it in a sense of, like, okay, ready, I've got to do something, or I've got to trust more, or I've got to depend more, or or something along that line, but kind of more just the sense of recognizing where we feel helpless and recognizing that as good news. So I'm, I'm going to pause just for a moment to allow you to have your own space uh, in that. And... Just be there. I don't really have anything for you to do about it. don't really want you to do something about it, because that's the whole point, right? I mean, uh, and then I'm going to just uh, come to Psalm 145, and eventually spills. I'm going to start at verse 8, because um, that it, it's just ministered to me this week, and um, it's a a psalm of David. So let me pause and just, I'm I'm not trying to do heavy, but I kind of am, I guess. Um, So uh, let's just go to our space of where we feel helpless, and when it seems right, I'll bring us back together and speak this psalm. Yahweh is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Yahweh is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creations. All of your works will thank you, Yahweh, And your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. Yahweh always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. Yahweh helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you and hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Yahweh is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Yahweh is close to all who call on him, yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. Yahweh protects all those who love him and he does destroy the wicked. I will praise Yahweh and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever.
3: Hey everybody. Um, been an interesting week uh first just thank you to Shelley, mike um and aaron uh and really a lot of other people who offered um this was very last minute um on their part and it didn't show so thank you guys um i was scheduled to preach this week um and i dramatically underestimated the toll um, my two children would take on me. Um, And I have been, um, so I was behind, but more than that, I have just had trouble putting a coherent thought together. Uh, So now I'm gonna stand up and talk for a bit. Um, I am a, there's a number of reasons behind that. I am a person who thrives on um, patterns and stability. Um, I left to my own devices will just waste away into a pile of mush um, So I'm like rule of life every step of the way um, and suddenly I've been on a two-week vacation uh, With two children who won't let me get three minutes alone um, As an introvert, so I'm a little fried um, So thank you guys, but it's also been Since Shelley's sermon last week I uh, I haven't been thinking so much about helplessness as I have just about the weariness of life. Again, young children. But it was really what hit home. Um, and it was kind of, tr- I was trying to bake that into my sermon for this week, and I honestly just couldn't get it together. Um, so I reached out for help, um, which my wife committed me, on, committed me on because I'm terrible at doing so. Um, But even then, I'm like, okay, I'll just say something short uh, before communion. And I couldn't put that together. Even driving over, I couldn't get together the thoughts. Um, I knew what I wanted to talk about, but I literally couldn't string it together. Um, Possibly because Rose asked me a question every 50 yards while we drove, but I couldn't string anything together. But what I wanted to talk about was the weight we can feel when we look at the expectations of the kingdom. We've been going through a series on the parables, and the parables are brutal. They are, again and again, a high expectation that challenges us to a life that, it just seems, it's beyond us. Um, and Jesus doesn't hold back. He sits there and just presents something that still feels so far beyond. And the with well, that's what Aaron was talking about. You look at community, you look at this life that we've been called to, and, you can grow apathetic. You can start to feel beat down by it. Or you can start to water it down and try and make it something you can accomplish. You can look at the sermon on the mountain and go, why don't other people live that way the way I do? And this is the direction to go. it, But Jesus simply just keeps pushing with parables, with his sermons. He holds up a bar that exceeds our reach. And the question is, how do we pursue that without getting crushed? Because it is going to happen, as Mike talked about. God's will is going to be done. That new heavens, that new earth, that kingdom life is coming. It's not something that's dependent on us doing anything. We are helpless in that. It is something that is coming that we, it's more of a question of do we want to take part in it? And to what degree do we want to take part in it? Do we hear that call and look at that life and go, this is something I want in my life now? This is a way I want to live. This is something I want to pursue. Even then, though, how do we deal with that weariness of pursuing it again and again? And the answer is we come back to what Shelley so wonderfully read from the Old Testament. We come back to Yahweh. We come back to who God is. If we look at the parables alone, we will either fake and pretend like we're doing it, we'll get frustrated and walk away, or we'll just break. But if we look to Jesus as the one who's speaking the parables, we have, not a shot of pointing them off, but a shot of having them transform us. We have a shot of walking this path out. We've been set on a hard journey. We've been called to a standard that we're going to fall short of pretty much, well, Actually, every day of our lives, um, but one that will actually show us the future. But we need to, as we hear these parables, as we still look on the home stretch of this series, we'll pick back up next week. Um, as we continue on the rest of our lives as Christians, we need to hear the challenge of these words coming in their full force from the one who also says, His load is light, and says, He will never leave us. We need to see the starkness of our sin and the ways we fall short from the one who also offers us forgiveness consistently. Um, Or else we'll just break. We are called to a standard that we won't attain, but we're called to a journey that's worth doing. It is so beautiful. It is so far beyond. If it was something we could pull off, It wouldn't be as worth it as it is. But we need to know that Jesus is with us every step of the way. I saw somebody who posted that most religions, especially older ones, you had the people come feeling the pressure of God to build a temple and then provide food for him. We come to a God who builds us as a temple and then provides food for us. So different is our God. It's funny how it seems like you can tie communion to absolutely everything we talk about. But the reason you can do that is because we're not talking about bread and wine. We're talking about Jesus. We come here not to simply eat bread and drink grape juice because we really like bread and grape juice. But because it's Jesus' body and it's his blood that's given for us. And he's the one who needs to nourish us. And this is more than just bread and wine. This is nourishment for the way. This is our Savior given for us. This is a moment of grace that we can come and encounter Him. And we need that because we're called to a hard journey. So what I want to do is form a line, come, take communion. Um, Actually, take it back to your seats, and I'll pray for us. And we'll take communion. And after that, we're going to pray for one another. Um... So find a partner. Um, Spouses are fine to find each other. They're not looking for odd partners. Um, And pray for the rough road that people are on in some places. And if you're a person who's just right now going, I don't actually, I'm not in a spot, and I've been there sometimes. You're like, everything's actually just kind of clicking for me. Don't feel the need to plumb the depths of your soul. When you have the person you're talking to, it's like, I am just exhausted. I don't know if I can do this. And you're like, I have a hangnail, and you feel like you need to give 50-50 prayer, just pray for the other person. Or both of you are like, we are both doing fantastic, pray for somebody else. Let's pray for the weary and the exhausted. Let's pray for the people in our church. Let's pray that Christ's church would be refreshed. and would stand up and look at the clarity of the kingdom we are called to live and walk that way without compromise. All right, let's form a line. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you are a God who likes to feed his people, who delights in it. That you literally showered down bread on people as they walked in the wilderness. We thank you that the ultimate you give us the ultimate thing that nourishes our souls, that you gave us your son, that he dwells amongst us, that his spirit is within us, that he is building up his temple, that he looks upon us in delight, that he calls the weary and the brokenhearted. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your unfailing love. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for all the ways that is depicted in Jesus, the way he shines forth your glory. Lord, we take this as sojourners, Father, as people along the way as people who look to a better home. We take this meal looking forward to the day when we will dine in Abraham's presence. We will sit with the whole family of God and raise our glasses to Jesus. We take this in hope. We take this in joy. We take this in your son's name. So if you want to find somebody and pray with, we'll pray for like five minutes, then Becca will lead just is a song and we'll close.